All right. Well, we are in this series called Walk in the Way, but before we dive into that, I want to say first off, thank you again to Ted for sharing with us, and we appreciate your ministry so much, and and before we go today, we'd like to uh, pray over you for for CCM. Uh, I also want to mention that we, uh, today is kind of a special day, at least it is to me, Uh, for some of you, maybe it's a day of of dread and and, uh, and regret, but this day marks the three-year mark. Three years ago, on the first Sunday in May, I showed up here and preached my first sermon as your pastor, and so it's been three years. It's hard to believe that it's been three years already. Um, it's, it's gone by fast, and, and yet at the same time, there's been a lot that's happened in the last three years, both in our personal lives and in our relationships with each other, but also as a church. Uh, some of what we've been able to do and, and accomplish and, and uh, changes that have taken place. And, and uh, so, you know, when, when we hit this mark, I like to just, sometimes we do a whole sermon. It's kind of a state of the church, you know, state of the union sort of thing. Uh, but today I'll just give you a, a little couple minute version of, of that and, and just point out again that, you know, when three years ago uh, that we were at a, at a place where, you know, the leadership of this church felt like we've got to do some things, some significant things. Uh, we found ourselves in the same situation that so many churches find themselves in in our culture and society today, where the, uh, maybe you could say the demographics were unbalanced. And a lot of churches, when they get to that spot, they don't ever climb out of that spot. Uh, and, and one of the reasons that they say, uh, those who research that kind of stuff say that, that churches never come back from that is because they don't own that there's a problem until it's too late. Until there's, you know, 10 of them looking at each other trying to figure out how to pay the light bills, you know. And, and uh, you know, that's a, a situation that gets faced every day in our communities and in our churches and in this day and time. And so I commend you and I commend your leadership for, for saying, you know, starting three years ago, we've got to do something now before it's too late. And we've, we've worked hard at it. Uh, you're, there's folks in this church who have devoted unbelievable amounts of time and money and resources and energy into the ministries of this church. And over the last few years, we've seen a lot of changes that have come about from that. One of the most positive ones to me is the growth of our children's ministry. And uh, man, so many kids that run around here on Sunday mornings and just bring a, a new life and vibrance to the atmosphere, don't they? And and babies being born and all that kind of stuff just adds a, a new energy and and uh, and we all love that and enjoy it. And I think it's uh, also a good sign of, of good things to come because those children, they grow up and they become youth and and uh, we also have, we have got new youth directors uh, and we're excited about where that's headed. Uh, we've got a new leadership team and they've got lots of things cooking and, and, and the council just created two new ministry teams that I'm really excited about. One's a, a children's ministry team that focuses entirely on children's ministry. That's it. And uh, from top to bottom, how can we make that the best that it can be? A ministry that reaches out to children in our community, but also is the best it can be for the kids right here in our church that God's entrusted to us. And same thing, we're working on a student ministry team for those for our youth and, and older kids, and and how can we, uh, you know, same thing for them. So 
really just a lot of, to be excited about, a lot of, uh, on the horizon, and I just feel like God's already done a lot. One of my favorite things from the last three years is that, you know, in a church our size, in the last three years, we've baptized by my quick count this morning at least 12 people. Uh, and so that's that's awesome. That's uh, representative of life change and and decisions, especially amongst our children and youth. And I think we're going to have some more kids wanting to do that soon, uh, from what they tell me. And so, uh, so we're we're excited about the future for our church. And I just don't think that God would have brought us this far if He didn't have great things in store for the next leg of the journey too. So I want to say to those of you who have been grinding away at this thing for a long time because I, I know from you know I grew up in a family that was, were lay ministers highly involved in in the life of churches like this one and and I know that over time it can wear you out <laughs> you know and it, it's, it's hard work and I just want to say stay the course don't give up hang in there with us I think the best days are yet to come. So if you've been uh, devoting a lot of time and effort and, and money, you know, take a break when you need to take a break, but jump right back in there with us because this is worthwhile. And uh, we're doing something really neat for the kingdom. I also uh, want to say to those of you, if you're, if you're new around here or you just haven't had a chance to get plugged in like that, then uh, please jump in with us. If you're not sure how, um, talk to me. If you're not physically able or financially able to do much, one thing you can do is devote some serious time to prayer. And we believe that's the most critical work of the kingdom anyhow. And so please join us in praying for uh, not just our church, but that our ministries will make a difference in people's lives and will make a difference in our community. And so that is the State of the Church address for uh, 2017. And I just thank you so much. It's a joy to minister alongside you and with you. And, and you're a loving church that's taken really good care of our family for the last three years. And we look forward to more great days ahead. Now, we are in this series, Walking the Way. We've been talking about how if we want to be known as people of the way, the Jesus way, as the first Christians were known, then we need to walk in that way. It's not enough just to identify we want to be Jesus people. We have to actually live it out. We have to actually walk in that way, not just say that we're Jesus people. And so that's really what this is about. If we want to be known as people of the way, we'd better walk in the way. And this is based around a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to one of the first churches that were ever planted. And he planted it in the church of, it's called Ephesus. So this was about 2,000 years ago and 6,000 miles away. Uh, but what was true for them then is true for us today, here and now. And this letter was written to these fairly young and immature believers. First generation ever, right? They didn't have grandparents they could talk to about what it looked like to live in the Jesus way. This was it. And, and so he wrote to them this letter that's just invaluable to us. Because in this letter, he maps out and describes for us what it looks like to walk in the way. And of course, he didn't get this out of thin air. He got it from Jesus Christ, who is the author of this way, and who lived it out, and who taught about it. And we know today, you know, we're talking about walking in love in particular. And we've already talked about what it means to walk in humility, and, and to walk 
as worthy. And today we're going to talk about walking in love. And of course, Jesus had a lot to say about love. In fact, I would say that if I could only preach one message about what it means and what it looks like to walk in the Jesus way, it would be this one, walk in love. Because, you know, when the Messiah came, the people in that day and time, they expected, their expectation was someone who was going to come with a sword in his hand. Someone who was going to come to administer justice. And even the wrath of God where it needed to be distributed against Israel's enemies, etc. And instead what they got in Jesus was someone who said things like, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. When they asked him, you know, Jesus, what is the greatest command? He said, well, love God and love people. He was all about love. He said the whole reason he came was because God so loved the world, right? And, and so Jesus, I mean, you even see it not only in what he said, but in what he did, right? How many times was he moved by compassion and his emotions just came to the surface because he felt such love and care for the people that he was encountering and the needs and the brokenness that they faced. And of course, ultimately, being willing to go and sacrifice his life, to suffer and die on a cross in the name of love. And it's this Jesus we follow. And it's this Jesus whose way we are trying to walk in. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is what are we known for? And is it love? When people talk about Cypress Street Church of God here at 1401 Cypress Street in West Monroe, Louisiana, what do they have to say about us? That we keep our building up nicely or that we, uh, you know, do a lot of good programs and things? Do they know us by our love? That we love each other and that we love everyone who comes through these doors and even people who don't come through these doors? Are we known by our love? What about, you know, you and me as individuals? What are we known by? Since becoming a pastor three years ago, I've done more funerals than I expected. And, and some of those funerals, you know, have been really heartbreaking for me. Some of them have been a great joy, and it's reaffirmed our hope. But some funerals that, that we perform as pastors, we come away saying, man, the, when you hear people talk about someone's life, I mean, what do you want to be remembered by? You know, and sometimes you run into people who are remembered for a lot of things, but they seldom have to do anything with love. Will they, will my kids, you know, when, when I'm gone someday, will they say, wow, our dad, he was, uh, he, he really loved music. I mean, that's a great thing, and I do. Will they say, oh, wow, he really loved ministry in the church and poured a lot into that. Would they say, uh, and he was a hard worker, you know, I, I mean, I hope so. But more than that, I wanted to say that I loved. I loved my family, that I loved God first and foremost, that, that I loved their, their mama and was faithfully devoted. I, I want them to know that I loved them. What are we known by? 
What do our coworkers know us by? Some of us, you know, we've got kind of prickly personalities by nature. We've got to make sure that people see the love through that. And it's possible. You know, I've had, I've got family members and, and friends who, you know, they can be kind of firm, they can be kind of harsh sometimes, and yet I know that they are a loving person, and, and everyone knows that about them. It, you know, personality type doesn't let you off the hook on, on walking in love, because that is what we are called to do. And so what I want to do is, is just look at this letter, and, and as we kind of take inventory, let's dive in and see how we can walk in love. Because in some sense, it feels like, well, this is a nice idea. You know, this is a nice ideal, and yes, Jesus did it, but he's Jesus. But I love that we have this letter from Paul, because here's a guy who was filled with so much hatred that he was killing people who were following Jesus. And if God could get a hold of his life in a way that would transform it into someone who is writing the kinds of things that we're about to read and that we just read, then this is not just some lofty ideal. This is real. This is real. This is something that you and I can do. We can walk in love. We can grow in that way. So let's just kind of quickly, it's a short passage, it's a prayer. Let's read back through this. And I want you to pay special attention to the two main themes of this prayer. And their power and love. And when we come to those words, say them out loud with me and say them boldly. You can't say power, especially. Remember, we practiced that earlier. Okay. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Let me just mention that... This is a big deal in that culture because, you know, if you've ever seen Jews pray or maybe you've seen pictures of people praying at the Wailing Wall, they, they stand and pray. And, and so to kneel and pray was unusual. It would have been like a begging and pleading sort of thing. And I wonder how that must have felt to receive this letter from an apostle of Jesus Christ who was saying he was on his knees begging and pleading this on their behalf. That should tell us how important this prayer was at least in the Apostle Paul's mind. And uh, so it's a big deal. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power. That was pretty good. Through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love. I just ran right by those on you. Sorry. <laughs> Why don't y'all just say love to make it up. Say love. love. All right, we got them. That surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I have to give you an A on that because you did better than me. So, love and power, power and love. Today our focus is squarely on love, which I believe is the main subject of that thing. But clearly, in the Apostle Paul's mind, these two things are linked together. Something about God's love is powerful. And something about God's power is love. 
and we need both. And we're going to actually have our final message of this series, Walking in the Way, is going to be titled Walking in Power. And so we'll save most of that power stuff for later. But today let's focus primarily on love and, and just talk about how can we walk in love. And what I want to do is kind of walk backwards through this as sort of like a, let's pretend there's an equation here. And at the end of the equation, we have a sum, uh, you know, what all this adds up to. And he says that, know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is the end goal, to be filled to the measure, to the brim of all the fullness of God. That sounds kind of crazy. <laughs> it sounds like it'd be a good thing to be filled completely with God so that everything that comes out of you is of God. That, that when people look at you, they see some of God. And somehow this flows out of knowing this love that surpasses even knowledge. People worship knowledge, have always worshiped knowledge. We love our ideas, we love science, we love technology. But there's a love that far exceeds anything we can know with our minds. So what kind of love is that? Because love is one of those words, right? I mean, you know, I love Oreo cookies. I love <laughs> my wife. I love God. You know, all these, there's lots of loves out there. Seems that if we walk this back, that he's talking specifically about a certain kind of love, right? That you may have power to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. To just get this sense of how huge this thing is. We're not, we're not talking about just any old ordinary love. This is the love of Christ that knows no bounds. I mean, some people... They think that, they, that their sins are, are too much for them to be loved by God. And yet we're told that he casts our sins in his love as far as the east is from the west. That's pretty wide love. You know, some people, they feel like they're, you know, too far away from God. But it says it's so long. I mean, it just knows no limits. So it can reach out to anybody, no matter where they are. It's so high, you know, I mean, there's some people who, some of us, we, we think we're so smart and we think we're so important and we think we're so powerful, but the love of Christ is so high, it should humble us when we realize how small we are in comparison. And there's most all of us that on some day at least, we feel so low, so discouraged. And yet it says the love of God, the love of Christ is so deep you, you can't get to the bottom of it. No matter how deep you feel, no matter how down you feel, the love of Christ goes deeper still and even can encompass you there. This love, if we can get this love, if we can live this love, if we can live in it and live it out, then we're told we'll be filled with all the fullness of God. How does this happen? Let's walk back one more step. And we're told that we need to be rooted and established in love. Rooted and established. 
in love. Roots. They go down deep into soil. We know that uh, you know every plant has a different kind of root system. But they all kind of save the same, serve the same uh, purpose to kind of establish the plant, make sure it's secure, that it's not just going to tip over. And the bigger the plant, the bigger the root system needs to be so that, you know, when those strong hurricane winds come through, it's not just toppling over. It's got roots. And we also know that it's those roots that pick up the nutrients needed and it actually fills the plant up. And the soil that the roots are in determine what the plant does. I mean... For instance, the, uh, we know this like, like, okay, maybe you heard in the news a little while back, uh, sorry to bring this up, Alabama fans, but uh, the trees at Auburn were poisoned by an Alabama fan. I'm not you know, saying, you know, just facts are what they are. And uh, they, they had these special trees, and some crazy guy that gave the rest of the Bama fans a bad name poisoned these trees and he put poison on them and, and the roots did what? They sucked it up and the trees died. So we know that if your roots are in something poisonous, it's lights out. But not only that, I mean, take hydrangeas, for instance. I stole this. Julie was not home this weekend and uh, so I just took it right off the kid. Don't tell her that... Uh, I'll hopefully get it back safely, but hydrangeas are, are unique in that they really display for us how whatever's in the soil is what's taken inside a plant. And we know like the acidity of the soil and stuff determines the color. You know, like some plants, they have a this, you know, this type of rose bush has this color bloom, and this type of rose bush has this color bloom, but with hydrangeas, you just plant it in the soil and you can change the color based on what you put in the soil or what's already in the soil. And uh, they even, crazy, they can even put one kind of acid on one side and one on the other side and get two different colors on the same plant. Because what's in the soil gets pulled up and put right into this plant. So it is in our lives that what we are rooted in, what we put our roots down into, is what we get filled up with. And so it makes sense that if we need to be filled with love, if we want to be filled with all the fullness of God, and God is love, we're told in Scripture, then that's where we need to put our roots. If we put our roots down into things like, I don't know, greed, if we put our roots down into you know a love of, of money, then that's what we're going to get filled up with. And we're going to become one of those people who are obsessed with money, a greedy person. And we know people like that. We know stingy people. And we know greedy people. And that's what you get filled up with when you put your roots down into a love for money. If you put your roots down into just kind of a complaining thing, you know, and you're just... That you, and you hang out, hang out around people who complain all the time and uh, then that's what you're going to get filled up with 
And that's the kind of person that you're going to be. If you put your roots down into things, you know, obsessions or lusts or whatever the case may be, then that, that's going to fill your heart as well. And it's going to warp who you are from the inside out. What we put our roots down into, and we see this all the time in the world around us, some examples are easier to see than others, but it happens to all of us, that what we put our roots down into is what we end up filled up with inside. So, we need to be careful what we're rooted in. And what we find is, through this whole thing, is that if we want to have a right relationship with God... If we want to be filled with all the fullness of God, then we have to start by making sure we have the right relationship to love. That we are rooted in it and established. So until you have a right relationship to love, you'll never have a right relationship to God. And let's talk about how we have this right relationship to love. How we can put roots down into this kind of love, this love of Christ that's so high and wide and long and deep. And, and the first thing we have to say off the top is just the reminder that it's about power. We've got to have God's power in our life to ever live any of this stuff out. And the Holy Spirit is indispensable to walking in the Jesus way. You can't do it without relying on the Holy Spirit's power. We know that. But there's a couple other things that we know. And we're actually going to look at some words of Jesus that fit so tightly with this idea of being rooted in love. And there's one thing Jesus said that, I mean, it just, this is how you know Paul's not making this stuff up, right? Jesus said, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. If you want to be rooted in God's love, Keep the commands of Christ. Follow in the ways that he taught us. And this gets back to what we were, you know, the examples we were just talking about of how you can be rooted in different things. But so many of the commands of Christ, so many of the ways of God that he taught, you know, have to do with things we call moral stuff now. You know, things like avoiding greed, Things like avoiding sexual immorality. And so we know that if we, if we you know, look at porn, if you do that, lots of people do. But you're putting your roots into something that's going to poison the tree. According to God and according to Jesus. And not just that. <laughs> you don't have to go click on any kind of explicit website or anything like that nowadays to be bombarded by this. Just watch a movie. Just go to the theater. Just turn on HBO or something. I mean, that's what that stuff is. I mean, they package it in a pretty way and they pretend that it's not. But it is. So you put that in your mind. You're putting your roots into something that Jesus said will poison the root system. You can't put roots into that and be rooted in Christ-like love. Same with the greed thing. If you put roots into that and you're obsessed with money and the pursuit of things 
and one-upping you know, your, the, the Joneses, you know, if, that, if that's your thing, and that's what you're, even, even an unhealthy pursuit of security, which is a, a joke, right, an illusion. There is no such thing as real security on this side of heaven. But if we pursue that, and I have to remind myself of that all the time, you know, it's just, just things like feeling like, man, I've got to be preparing for retirement. You know, I used to be a teacher and there's like a retirement system and in ministry, we don't really have that thing going on, at least not in the church of God. And so, wow, you know, I've got to make sure, but there's an, you can have an obsession with that that takes it too far. And then you're putting your roots into something that's not also the love of Christ. It's a a need for stuff and a need for controlling your own security and, and it's not what Christ says leads to Christ-like love. How can you be God-focused and others-focused when you're so honed in on gathering money? All these things. We have to be careful what we put our roots into. If we keep his commands, he says we will remain in his kind of love. And so just one of the ways we're rooted in love is just to keep his commands. Just to do the things he said to do. And what we find is, when we look at it, those things, 90% of them are very evident to anybody looking that this helps you love other people well. This is good for your life. This is good for the people's lives around you. That's why God made these rules. This is why Jesus emphasized these ways because he said this is the way that you can be, you can function best as a human. I created you. I know this is the way that is best for your society. And so if you keep his commands, you'll be rooted in love. But watch this. Right next door to that statement. My command is this. My command is this. If I had to sum up all my commands, he said, this is it. Love each other as I have loved you. Do you want to be rooted in love? Then live in Christian fellowship. Maybe that's an old word. I don't know. There's not a better word for it, is there? <laughs> We've got to be together. We've got to do life together. We've got to be uh, connected together. This is where we connect with other people who are trying to also be rooted in love. Good luck to you if you're trying to be rooted in love apart from Christian community. I haven't seen very many people pull it off. I'm sure it's been done. There's sometimes that you know someone becomes a Christian and they don't have access to a Christian community because of where they live or whatever the case may be. And by God's power, some of them pull it off. But we were designed to live this thing out by loving each other. This is where it happens. This is where we put down roots. And it's got to be more, I mean, yes, come and, and, and study scripture with us. Come and sing together. All those things the scriptures tell us is what Christian fellowship is about. But it's also about doing life together. Doing life together outside of you know, it's nice to say hi. It's nice to smile. It's something else to do life together, isn't it? It's something else to go from this place and sit down at a table and share a meal together. 
or to serve alongside each other as we help other people. To be an encouragement when you see someone else is down. You know, get in a smaller group setting. Get plugged in somewhere. Get your kids or grandkids, if you can, get them plugged into They need that too. Our student ministry is called Rooted because we want them to grow deep roots that will help their, their faith outlast their youth. We want it to carry them into adulthood. They need to be connected with other kids who are trying to pursue the love of Christ and grow those deep roots there as well. So encourage them. Get them here anytime you can. Get them in other Christian fellowship. Whatever you have to do. But this is the way we were designed to work. And this is the way that we put down roots. Until you have a right relationship to love, never have a right relationship to God. As we wrap this up, I want you to just use your imagination for a moment. And in fact, if you close your eyes and just try to picture Golgotha. Try to picture, go back in time and stand there at the foot of the cross. Take in the whole scene. Try to picture what, what the sky looked like what it smelled like there, what the wind on your face felt like, what the people around were saying and doing and feeling. And lift your eyes up onto the cross on which Jesus, on which Jesus hung. And listen to these words of the Apostle John who is standing there looking with you. The Apostle John, who, who stood there at the foot of the cross, just like that, later wrote, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And catch this. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. If we love one another then God lives in us. You can open your eyes. If we love one another, then God lives in us. You might even say, you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. Having been rooted and established in love, the love of Christ that knows no bounds, how is this possible? It's possible by the Holy Spirit. It's possible when we keep Christ's commands, starting with number one, to love each other. It's true. No one's ever seen God the Father. But if 
we love one another well, they might just see a little bit of God in you and in me and in us. And that'd be a pretty cool thing. You want to have a better life? You want your family to have a better life? You want to make your world a better place? Walk in love. Walk in the way. Today, for our prayer, I want to pray this prayer over you. It's a prayer that I actually pray over you pretty regularly anyway. But we'll just make it official today, since we're all here looking at each other. And if this is something that you want to pursue... Maybe today you're here and you think, man, I've really got to step it up on keeping the commands of Christ and getting my roots down into the right kind of soil. Or maybe you're here today and you say, wow, I really need to grow in and ramp up my participation in the family of God. I need to be plugged in where I can practice loving each other better so that the world can see God in us. But if this is something you want to grow in today, this walking in love, then I want to ask you to stand and I'm going to say this prayer over you today. Let's pray together. God, I pray that out of your glorious riches that you may strengthen these folks with power through your Holy Spirit in their inner beings. That Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. God, I pray that they, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all your holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that love that passes all knowledge that they would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to you, God, who are able to do so much more than we could ask or even imagine according to your power that is at work in us, to you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.